What is going on, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Doing a little Saturday drop-in episode to talk about the MLB playoffs, uh, specifically the Giants and the Dodgers. We got some good feedback from the little Red Sox segment we did the other day. Lots of people want to hear more about baseball, and I love baseball and I love podcasting, so happy to oblige. Let's go. Saturday here in cold, rainy Michigan, my absolute favorite. Hope everybody's having a great weekend. We are coming off of a tough Red Sox loss last night in the first game of the ALCS to the Houston Astros. Red Sox were leading most of the game 3-1, to one, kind of blew it at the end, but it's really been the story with the 2021 Red Sox that the pitching staff and the, bull- the bullpen especially kind of feels like playing Russian roulette where... You know that something bad's going to happen eventually, you just don't know when. So it's, uh, man, it's it's tough when you're playing a team that just throws arm after arm after arm at you, the good bullpen down there in Houston. But it's a long series. This is why we play seven games in baseball and not one. Red Sox have plenty of time to come back and still, still believe in them. But, you know, like we said on the last podcast, ever since we beat the Yankees, it's really just been playing with house money. Anything that happens is gravy. The the Red Sox are way ahead of schedule on this latest rebuild. They really weren't supposed to be good for another year or so. And to be in the ALCS right now is it's fun. It's exciting. Uh, and I'm pulling for them, especially against the Houston Astros, because nobody likes the Astros. I think a lot of people would tell me that nobody likes the Red Sox either. But, <laughs> it's, hey, I'm a Boston sports fan. It's uh, half of this podcast is Boston sports podcast. So... But what I really wanted to talk about today is the ending to the Dodgers and Giants series. Uh, Just ended on Thursday. The Dodgers eliminated the Giants in five games, three games to two. And the big talking point coming out of game five was that final strike call on the floor as at bat, where Max Scherzer struck him out on what was clearly a ball, and Flores very clearly checked his swing, but it was called a strike by the first base umpire and the game ended. Yes, it was a bad call, and we need to fix that. Uh, Matt and I talk a lot on this podcast about different ways that you can fix officiating. We have all sorts of technology here in the year 2021, so to have uh, an umpire behind home plate calling balls and strikes instead of an automated zone and to have umpires down the first baseline who can tell you, you know, they're, they're making a check swing call that is not reviewable, which doesn't make any sense in 2021 that anything would be not reviewable. The replay could tell you probably almost as fast as that first base umpire whether he swung or not with way more accuracy. So it definitely needs to be fixed. However, I'm really sick of these narratives that come out of these games uh, saying the Giants were robbed because of one missed call. When a team loses a game and there's a blatant missed call, fans always want to cling to that call and say they would have won otherwise. When more often than not, there's actually a lot of factors that go into a team losing a game or losing a series like this. It's not one call, even though the call was really bad. In the Giants case, they only scored 10 runs over the course of a five game series. 
So that averages out to only two runs a game. And they hit three for 25 with runners in scoring position, which is a 120 batting average. That included 0 for 5 in game 5. 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position in a game that they lost by 1. If you just get one hit in one of those situations, it's a totally different ball game. And for reference, they hit 256 with runners in scoring position during the regular season, which isn't spectacular. It's kind of middle of the league. But if you think about that over the course of the series, that's, you know, 6 or 7 for 25 instead of 3 for 25. And in a game where, you know, this final game, you only lost by one run, it makes a huge difference. So I don't look at one player, one call and say, that's the reason. Does it suck that their season ended on that call? Yes. But it's not the reason their season ended. Their season ended because they just did not do a good job of hitting against the Dodgers. So I understand why Giants fans are frustrated, but I don't think that the Giants have anyone to blame but themselves for losing this series. The thing that would really piss me off if I was a Giants fan is that they won 107 games this year, which was the most in the league. And their first round playoff matchup is against their arch rival Dodgers, who won 106 games. That's the part that's more unfair to me. If you win 107 games, why are you playing an 106-win team in the first round? The Dodgers were also coming off of winning a wild card game, which, I mean, say what you want about the fact that they had to play in that wild card game with 106 wins, but we've seen time and time again that wild card games or playing games across sports tend to give a team momentum. And I know that the advanced stats people out there will tell me that momentum doesn't exist, but that's bull. Momentum's a real thing, uh, and we see it all the time. Look at the Red Sox this year, who won that wild card game against the Yankees and then went on to beat the Rays. Or almost any single year in March Madness, where play-in teams are always going deep. Ever since the institution of that play-in game, most recently, UCLA just made it to the Final Four and almost to the championship game if it wasn't for a miracle shot by Jalen Suggs. Those play-in games give a team momentum, they get them you know, you kind of get rolling playing in this do-or-die situation going into a series against a team that hasn't played in almost a week. Also, I mean, just as a fan, from a fan's perspective, the fact that the 107-win Giants had to play the 106-win Dodgers in the first round really robs us of an amazing, of a potential amazing seven-game series in the NLCS, since the first round's only five games. And we know that shorter series don't always have the outcome of the best team winning. And I'm not saying the Giants were better than the Dodgers because I think the Dodgers are the best team in baseball. And with all the talent they have, they're probably going to be impossible to stop for the remaining teams. But we don't... I mean, if our goal is to find out who the best team is and award the best team with a championship, we should not be playing shorter series in the first round. Like, I, I understand the one-game wildcard play-in, and I think it's really fun, but why are we not playing seven games? So, aside from that, now, the 106-win Dodgers have to play the 88-win Braves in the NLCS, and the Braves have home field advantage, because they won their division and the Dodgers didn't. And I understand that, I understand why divisions are important and that we want to keep that importance, but just for reference, 18 games is the difference between the 92-win Yankees who were eliminated by the Red Sox in the wildcard game, and the 74-win Royals, who finished 14 games under 500. 
18 games is a lot of games. This I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is the biggest differential between a team that has home field advantage over a team with a better record. This 18-game swing that gives the Braves home field advantage. I don't necessarily think it's going to matter a lot for the Dodgers. They're just There's just way too much talent on that team. Think about all the guys they have from uh, one of my personal favorites, Mookie Betts. They have Cody Ballinger. They traded for Trey Turner and Max Scherzer, and we've seen how amazing Scherzer's been there. I, I think they're going to kind of look like a steamroller for the rest of this. I think the Giants had the best chance to eliminate them, uh, and unfortunately they couldn't. So if I'm complaining about all these problems, how do we fix them? You know, we never come to this podcast empty-handed. Whenever we complain about something or whenever we want to change something, we always come with a proposal. So here is my proposal that I think should be adopted by all professional sports, especially the four major leagues in North America. I think that higher-seeded teams in the playoffs should get to pick who they want to play between the lower-seeded teams. So in baseball, it's very straightforward. The team with the best record in the conference gets to pick between the third-best division winner and the wild-card team that won going into the divisional round. So you keep your wild-card playing game, and the the team with the best record gets to kind of pick who they want to play between the two lower-seeded teams. For example, this year the Giants would have been able to pick between the 107-win Dodgers and the 88-win Braves, and the team that they didn't pick would go to play Milwaukee with Milwaukee maintaining home field advantage as the second-best division winner. Could the Giants have lost to the Braves in the first round? Sure. But would it have been way more fair for the 107-win Giants to play the 88-win Braves? Absolutely. And what it, you know, it doesn't work out this way every year. So I don't want to do wholesale changes where we say, oh, the, the, you know, if the wild card record is better than so-and-so's, then they go here, they go, whatever. Just let them pick. Let the winners pick. Let the team with the best record pick who they want to play. You know, and if, if the Giants would have got to play the Braves in the first round, I think they would have beat the Braves and the Dodgers would have beat Milwaukee. And we would be sitting here with one of the most exciting NLCS that we've had in years and in a potentially amazing seven-game series instead of this Dodgers rollover that we're about to see of the Braves. Also, imagine this concept in the NFL. This is the part that got me really excited about this idea. Picture wildcard weekend where the second and third seeds get to pick who they want to play. The NFL season would end on a Sunday, and then you could have like a Monday show on ESPN or on CBS, wherever you wanted to host it, where... The, seed, the higher seeded teams, the second and third seeds, get to pick, like, draft who they want to play. You know, you know how much, like, drama that would bring? <laughs> and the storylines just write themselves. Like, so you would have, like, let's say the Chiefs are the two seed, and then you have three wildcard teams to pick from, and you get to pick which one comes to Kansas City. I think the ratings for that show would be absolutely insane. And also the storylines all write themselves for the next week for all of the ESPNs and the podcasters like me of the world to come on and say, oh man, well, you know, Kansas City picked Baltimore. They wanted them and they got them. Just like when the Yankees had that little decision they had to make where they decided to pick the Red Sox. That was like in the news cycle for three days. It was like all they talked about and Boston's all pissed off about it. They're like, well, they picked us. They got us. And really like, it's not a fair thing, but... It's a fun thing. And if, you know, NFL, if you want to add even more drama to your postseason and you 
want to have extra ratings and extra shows, I'm available. I will come work for you. Just give me a call. Drop me a line. You can hit us up on this podcast. We'll even record the interview and we'll release it as a podcast. I would be more than happy to come work for any professional sports league that wants to get their ratings up. I got some ideas. The other thing I wanted to talk about is how gracious some fans can be after a series. I was really surprised reading uh, comments on Reddit about, you know, from Giants and from Dodgers fans going back and forth after that series was over saying, oh, you guys are so good and really scary and that was a fun series and blah, blah, blah. And I I think it's amazing how gracious some fans can be and it's really fun to see that good sportsmanship. However, I will not be one of those fans. I am a Red Sox fan and I am here to tell you that the Yankees suck. (laughs) And I will never, ever be gracious about beating them. We will always rub it in their faces as we have done time and time again on this podcast. It's just, it's funny to me how unifying that chant can be across fan bases that all hate the Yankees. I was telling someone a story earlier this week about when the Mets came to play at Boston. It was either earlier this year or last year, and a Yankee suck chant broke out in the stands, and all of the Mets fans joined in as well. (laughs) And if you watch the uh, postgame last night between Houston and the Red Sox, even though Houston won, a Yankee suck chant broke out in the postgame, and all of the Houston fans joined in. Because everybody hates the Yankees. Oh, man. I really hope the Red Sox can pull through in the series against the Astros so that the Yankees suck chant doesn't have to die. But, you know, Bruins season is starting tonight against the Dallas Stars. So if the Red Sox are, or if the Red Sox do get eliminated in this series, I'm sure that the Yankees suck chant will break out at Bruins games as well. Uh, As far as the Red Sox chances in the rest of the series against the Astros, The only thing that really makes me nervous is, like I said, the Red Sox pitching staff, um, especially the bullpen. And I think a lot of fans look at it and say, well, back in 2018, when we won the World Series, the starting pitchers not only started games, but they were coming out of the bullpen in relief. We also saw the Dodgers do this when they brought in Max Scherzer to close out the Giants. I think a lot of fans are pushing for that to happen again, but the Red Sox just don't necessarily have the arms to do that. They have Eovaldi, who did it in 2018. Uh, We may see him do it again if they go down a couple games to the Astros. But the main guys who really did it in 18, Eovaldi and Porcello are kind of, you know, Porcello has always been kind of an innings-eating guy, guy who can um, do that type of thing. The guys they have now, I mean, Erod, Martin Perez, uh, I don't, I don't know that we're going to see Chris Sale start games and come out of the bullpen. Um, So it's a little bit of a tougher proposition with the lack of depth they have in pitching. But uh, Eovaldi's been really good. He is pitching in today's game, game two. The Red Sox are going to try to bounce back. Uh, And then the Braves and the Dodgers start tonight. And I, you know, I, I kind of think the Dodgers is going to be a little bit of a rollover, like a four or five game series, but it does have potential to be fun. The Braves definitely have some talent. Uh, if you don't, if you haven't watched the Braves the last couple of years, keep an eye on Freddie Freeman, the first baseman. He's one of the most fun players to watch. He's a great defender and an amazing hitter, uh, kind of like an unassuming player. He's fun, but man, just the amount of talent the Dodgers have on the other side of the ball. They they've been all in on winning multiple World Series for a couple of years now, and I 
I think it's going to be tough to stop them. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Couple fun college football games today. Number 12, Oklahoma State plays number 25, Texas at noon. Just in a couple hours here. Uh, if you like points, check that game out because it's probably going to be high scoring. And then number one, Georgia plays number 11, Kentucky, which, man, Kentucky all the way up to number 11. Uh, unfortunately for them, that's not going to last long. That's, <laughs> that is a smash spot for Georgia, um, whose defense is, man, there, I was reading an article the other day about how Georgia's defense is basically on pace to be one of the greatest defenses we've ever seen in college football, and they look like it. They have a guy, Davis, up the middle. He's one of their defensive tackles. He's like 6'6", 320 pounds, and runs like a sub-4, 840 or something insane like that. They're fun to watch, man. I Georgia's one of those teams where everything's kind of ahead of them. The rest of the schedule is not so bad. Uh, Alabama lost last week, shockingly, to Texas A&M. So, you know, it's still, the SEC championship is really still just a collision course between those two teams. Alabama is not out of it by any means. I I personally believe that Alabama and Georgia are going to make the playoffs. But it's been a really fun season so far. We've seen a lot of AP Top 25 upsets in these first six, seven weeks. And it kind of reminds me of... Uh, season that we had not too far back where the we were in like the last couple weeks of the season and I think Kansas State was like number one or number two and then uh, Baylor was up there and there's like some really crazy teams at the top so I'm hoping that this keeps going uh, definitely keeping an eye on Cincinnati this year uh, I really think that they have a chance to be the first non-power five team to make the playoffs especially because they have that win at Notre Dame and that's a huge thing for these uh, group of five teams who want to make the playoffs. They never get the big games they need to get in and to keep their rankings really high. And Cincinnati somehow got this game scheduled at Notre Dame and then went in and won it. Which, you know, if you didn't see that a couple weeks ago, Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter was asked about the sound and like the noise at Notre Dame Stadium. And they're like, oh, it's going to be one of the loudest places you ever played. How are you going to deal with that? And his comeback was, it's not going to be loud very long, which is a really bold thing to say when you're a group of five team going into Notre Dame. But he backed it up, man. They That defense is legit. I think that they could play at a power five level. And we've seen them play at a power five level time and time again. So really interesting team to keep an eye on there. They play UCF today, who, you know, if you know anything about college football recent history, UCF has been uh, a team that has beaten multiple power five teams um kind of the same way cincinnati did this year they ucf won undefeated a couple years ago and uh won one of the uh, elite bowl games and then come back came back the next year went undefeated again and still didn't make the playoffs so it's going to be a tough road for cincinnati uh i think the college football playoffs are really based more on revenue than anything else and that the college football playoff committee likes to put the high revenue earning teams into those four spots. So, you know, the Alabamas, the Georgias, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Clemson, all the teams you've seen in there. But you have like Iowa at number two right now, and then Cincinnati has a chance too. So uh, if they can hold on, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with the playoffs this season. So uh, that is it for me. Thank you guys as always for listening. Uh, Fouled Out can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcast. You can you can hit us up on Twitter at Fouled Out Sports. 
or you can go on our TikTok uh, at Fouled Out Podcast to see funny videos we make, including videos of my dog and videos about why the Yankees suck. So uh, appreciate you guys spending your Saturday listening to us. Um, hope you're all having a great weekend and enjoy the games. Bye, guys. Bye, Mom.